Oh, yes. All right, I'm Sasha Chua, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Emacs Live, where we get to talk to actual Emacs geeks. Today we're talking to Harry Schwartz, uh, who is one of the organizers of Emacs in New York City, or Emacs NYC, which is actually really awesome and has been posting videos of their talks. So, uh, hello, Harry. Who are you? Hello, <laughs> Sasha. Uh, I'm Harry Schwartz, as you said. Um, I'm the organizer for Emacs NYC. I'm also a developer at ThoughtBot which is a Ruby on Rails consultancy, which is located in Boston and New York and a whole bunch of other places. And sponsoring the, the Emacs NYC meetups. Thank you very much, ThoughtBot. Um, so one of the things that we like also digging into is the non-Emacs, non-tech lives of, uh, of people. And apparently you have nine houseplants. And <laughs> um, they live right here next to me. Um, as you can see, they uh, need watering mostly. But yeah, they're there. Um, what else are you interested in? Oh, let's see. So, uh, quite apart from all the computer stuff, which is, you know, boring, um, I read extensively. Uh, I, uh, let's see, I run sometimes. I do all kinds of silly things. I go to far too many meetups. That's been mm -hmm. the predominant thing in my life right now. So, I, so are you are you the kind of uh, person who organizes a lot of meetups, or you tend to go to a lot of meetups and you're like, hmm, you know what, this world really needs an Emacs meetup. Exactly right. I find myself completely overwhelmed by a schedule of all the meetups I want to attend, and I think, ah, I should add more. That's a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I'm running the Emacs meetup, and uh, also I run uh, a Ruby project night in New York. We just had our first meetup on Monday, actually. So that's mm -hmm. just started. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Meetup.com just lists so many events, and it's it's amazing to see the kind of varieties of, of, uh, of topics that are out there. Uh, so, Emacs, like, what got you interested in Emacs in the first place? Well, let's see. In the very first place, um, when I was a, a young lad in high school, I had this broken-down old computer that I somehow managed to get Linux on. And I thought, I should I should learn one of these editors for it. And uh, by purest happenstance, I stumbled across some article about Emacs and thought, ah, I'll learn that. Um, <laughs> so I did. Started learning that. And um, I've more or less been with it ever since, actually. I had a brief flirtation with VI in grad school for a year or so, but uh, that, uh, that passed. <laughs> <laughs> So, but what you know? So, okay. So, you started learning about it in high school. What, what, what sorts of things kept you into it? I mean, uh, you know, that, were you coding right away? Were you, what, what were you playing around with that got you interested in it? So, um, I was actually a terrible Emacs user for a very long time. I um, used it more or less as a Notepad with syntax highlight. Um, it's pretty sad. And then. Fairly late, maybe five or six years ago, I started really digging into it and being like, oh, I should learn to use this like a real text editor. Uh, so I did it. Um, I had always been really into Lisp. I, I learned common Lisp in college, and that was a lot of fun. So when I realized, when, when suddenly like all the pieces clicked together, and I realized, oh, I can write Lisp, and I can be really fussy about my text editor. Oh, <laughs> this is great. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I did that. <laughs> That's and actually... Then, go ahead. Oh, and then, of course, I learned about org mode and, you know, Magit and all the other thousands of wonderful packages, and it's noble. Yeah. That's actually a really encouraging sort of evolution because a lot of people feel, you know, like, oh, they're, they're not really using Emacs, they're just using it without customizing it, and, or, or Lisp is scary or whatever, and, and for you to have been okay with, you know, using it just as it is for a long time, and then realizing, kind of, you know, you, you, you got into Emacs customization because you already knew Lisp and you were comfortable with it, and, and it's, you know, this is something that you can apply that in. That's, that's actually a, a fairly unusual path. A lot of people go to it the other way around. They start with customizing it, and they're like, okay, parentheses, I can deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's amazing how many different approaches people take to getting into Emacs. Um, yeah. I've known a number of people who have gotten into it just for org mode, which is, I mean, I get it. Org mode's awesome. But I'm, I'm surprised that they would learn Emacs for that purpose alone. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. And, and of course, there are all kinds of other pressures too. Right? I just want to write closure, and now I'm the editor that's going to do that. And Max is great this, or, you know, or a number of other things. There are all kinds of ways to go. Yeah. So when it came to uh, learning how to customize Emacs, I mean, uh, now you have a blog post about it, and you have the mm -hmm. video recording of your your talk at the Emacs NYC. Um, but how did you, you know, start learning it? I mean, so you had the background of Lisp that you could take advantage of. But what other resources did you find helpful when you were learning Emacs? Let's see. When I first got started, um, well, so I kind of had some ideas that. There were these people out there that were really good at the emacs, and that I should probably uh, figure out what they were doing. So I started looking at blog posts that were just, you know, tips with emacs because I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So I thought I'd try and find some just to things that people thought were cool. Um, I remember early on I stumbled across Steve Yeager's post of, um, you know, like ten things you have to do, right? Um, remap caps lock to control, which you have to do, and now I can't use anyone's keyboard that doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, let's see, what else was there? Um, oh, Control W to backward kill word. A couple other things in there that I still use. Um, yeah, so that was super helpful. And then just a number of other things like that, right? Just Googling around for lists of tricks, Stack Overflow posts, all kinds of sort of things. And yeah. eventually, all of that kind of gelled into a coherent whole. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. Really, you know, taking a little bit more. So exploring uh, uh, blog posts and Stack Overflow tips and all mm -hmm. these other stories, I guess, about how people are using it in configuration snippets. Uh, and, and now, you know, with with so many people in the meetup, you know, you can just bounce ideas off each other, look yeah. over other people's configs. How large is the Emacs NYC membership? Well, so there are well over 100 people in the meetup group. But um, as anyone who follows meetups knows, uh, those numbers are basically fake. <laughs> so in, in practice, we get... Um, 30, 40 people at a meetup, sometimes fewer, uh, rarely more, but, you know, still. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think my first experience of being around a lot of Emacs geeks was at that Emacs conference that they that they had in, in, in London, and it was just amazing that you could actually have other, you know, more than one other person who uses Emacs <laughs> in a room. Holy I cow. Wow. Um, man, when are, we, uh, when are we doing another one of those? Um, apparently, when someone steps up to organize it, hint, hint. Mm. <clears throat> mm. Man, mm. a major city would probably be a good bet for that. Yeah, somewhere where you know people don't immediately think winter. Mm. <laughs> right, Canada. Hey. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know about that, but we'll see. That's that sounds like an awful lot of work. I want to completely rule it out. Um, it's only about twice the size of your regular meetup. You can do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although now with uh, London also having quite active meetups, uh, it'll be interesting to see how much, how many more people will come out and uh, and uh, share tips as well. But also even just you know connecting online. I love the fact that you're posting videos because it's you know just being able to catch up on all these really cool talks. I think that's great. So, by the way, if people are listening to this and have not actually seen one of these videos yet, emacsnyc.org has lovely, lovely, you know, recordings. And um, and better, more than that, I really like how you've put together this list of suggested topics, you know, oh. things that people are curious about. Have you had a lot of people step up and say, yeah, I could do a talk about that? Yeah, we've got a number of folks. Um, we have the next few meetups are booked. Um, there's no big risk of speakers. It was a little scary for this month, and I haven't actually posted this month yet because we had speakers who had to cancel at the last minute. So someone else immediately stepped up. So we're all set for a little while. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, so so when I first started the meetup group, I when you join the group, it asks you some questions as those groups do. And this one says, in particular, are you interested in, in giving a talk? Do you have any ideas on what you're talking about? And it also says, what's your experience level? And 
I wrote that list of suggested topics because so many people would join the group and it, they'd say, you know, what's your experience with level Vmax? Intermediate, I've been using it for 26 years. Um, <laughs> is there anything you would like to talk about? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I know much of anything. It's like, of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. You can use a good thing to Just tell me about that. Uh, you know. um, <laughs> so there were a number of things like that. So I thought I should make a list of topics because I don't think people realize uh, how much they know and how much they can share. Uh, For sure. Right? That's so, awesome. Yeah, so that's helpful. That's a nice way when someone says, hey, I'm interested in speaking, I can say, I'll have you look at Yeah. So what's the experience mix like? You mentioned you had, you know, people, you know, is it is it mostly intermediate people who have been using Emacs for 26 years? Do you have a lot of beginners? You know, what, what's the range like? Well, everyone classifies themselves as intermediate. So <laughs> that, that doesn't mean but uh, yeah, so we have um, we have a number of people who are fairly new to it, uh, which is terrific. And of course, we have a number of people with you know uh, large full beards that you know got into fights with Richard Stallman back in the day. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrific too. Uh, it's it's a pretty great mix. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see how how diverse the community is in terms of, you know, the reasons why people get into it and why people stay in it and, and what people are exploring. So, you know, so, so uh, we'll go into the exploring bit a little later because I'd love to see, you know, uh, see how you've configured the Emacs and hear your stories about what you've tweaked it to do. Um, but for other people who are considering starting an Emacs meetup, what was the process like for you? Did you already know a lot of Emacs users before that? And nope. <laughs> um, so there was one. Okay, so a little backstory. So Thoughtbot is a company where almost everyone uses BI. Uh, it's a very BIM-centric shop. And um, you still got them to sponsor it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're great about sponsoring networks. That's been super helpful. So I was the Emacs guy, and there was one other Emacs guy who happened to also be in the New York office. Uh, Eric Collins, my my coworker. And one day, we sort of thought, you know, there should really be an Emacs group. We should just have an Emacs group. And we thought, well, we could just start that. But how hard is it to make a meetup group? It's just, just a, few, a few clicks on a website, right? Um, <laughs> it's a little bit more complicated, but not that much more complicated. So what you need are uh, some kind of web presence, right? Either a meetup.com group or a real website. Uh, we actually do both just because some people don't want to be on, on Meetup. You know, that's fine. Um, you need food, <laughs> almost always. People, food is a big draw. Uh, if you're going to host a Meetup at dinner time, you need food. <laughs> it's true. Uh, we usually do pizza, because pizza is the canonical Meetup food for good or ill. So that works pretty well. And, and you need some kind of space, right? Uh, in our case, Thoughtbot works out of a company called WeWork, which is co-working space, and they're perfectly happy to host meetups to get people in to check it out. So that worked out perfectly too. If you want to go the extra mile and record them, which you totally should, uh, you just need some kind of camera and ideally some good audio. Mm -hmm. And you also need someone with some video production experience. In our case, uh, Thoughtbot has our very own in-house producer, because Thoughtbot produces a lot of educational content. Oh. So Paul produces uh, each and every one of our videos. <laughs> I can up all of our uh, raw files and send them to him and say, please, please, make us a video. And he comes out with something awesome every time. So he's been a terrific help. OK. So you've got a you've got a website, you've got food, you've got a venue, and you've got a fantastic video person. Exactly. Uh, that last one's a little bit harder to find. Uh, <laughs> the first three aren't too bad. Uh, it's really not like it's not as hard as you might think it is to start with these things. Okay. Highly recommend. Uh, I I probably shouldn't ask you how much time it takes, but um, just so that people know what they're getting into, how much time does it take you to kind of organize things, given that you have an easy venue kind of sort of sorted out? It's really not that bad. 
So in the very beginning, Gerard and I was getting the site together. We were, you know, kind of planning out how we were going to do stuff. And it was a fairly significant time investment. I'd say I probably put in, you know, 10 or 20 hours, all told, uh, getting the first one set up. I was also getting a talk among the first ones, so that maybe it was more than 30 hours. Because <laughs> uh, there was some hard work involved there. But after that, really it's coordinating a speaker, which is maybe half an hour per meetup. It's not bad. Um, updating the website, taking off the videos. Really, the time commitment is maybe a couple hours per meetup. Not bad at all, plus the meetup itself. I need to get there a little early instead of the AP stuff. You know, there's a little trivial stress about that, but it's not the thing. So, uh, so I guess you'll be checking out the Meetup API and figuring out how to interface to it from Emacs and. <laughs> uh, been, actually, yeah. And you can actually just clone that because right now I'm mirroring it like a sucker. Uh, I have this really simple website set up with Jekyll, uh, Markdown, and I keep thinking, you know, maybe I should just build a little app. I happen to work at this Rails consultancy, and I happen to do Rails all day, so maybe I could just do that. <laughs> yeah. So now if anyone else wants to start a meetup, you can, they can just clone your Jekyll repository off GitHub yeah. and uh, have at it. <laughs> totally can. Uh, we put all that stuff available online, so feel free to download it and run it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so not scary. Definitely worth it. Sounds like you guys are having tons and tons of fun. Um, and I'd love to. What kinds of tips are you picking up from the you know, from the talk so far? G give us a, a quick uh, summary, I guess, of the, the the ones that you've you've been having. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. So in the most recent one, um, we did uh, basically logo in Emacs. Uh, our speaker had implemented his own version of Turtle Graphics inside of Emacs. So. Turtle graphics, for folks who don't know, are when you have a turtle and it sort of has a pencil attached to its tail. Um, and it can either raise or lower the pencil. And it can walk in a direction for a given distance and at a certain and it can turn at a certain angle. So if you have this turtle on a piece of paper, you can draw pretty much anything, right? You can do line drawing. It's an arbitrary complexity. Um, so he's implemented turtle graphics in this. And part of that involved generating a PPM file and then displaying it on the fly. Which wow. Which is all you can just do in like 10 lines of ELIS, which I had never known about, which is awesome. So <laughs> everything that's about the topic is pretty into it because we can do that. So that's a good thing. For me personally, the thing that's probably most changed my workflow is we had uh, a really excellent talk on evil mode. And I decided to check that out again. I pulled around with that a while ago. And I decided, eh, this isn't for me. I don't think I need this. But I was prompted to give it a shot again. And this time it, it took. So now I'm using Emacs with full mode. So I'm using the most complex editor you can possibly use. It's one <laughs> it's become increasingly popular, especially with a lot of people switching over, or or really just you know because evil mode has has built a lot of the movement into it and the that kind of okay do this over this span of text, uh, it works out really well for a lot of people. Sure. If you're oh, brain twisting, good <laughs> it is. Um, they support registers. Man oh man, what variation mode supports registers? <laughs> yeah. Sorry? That's been a big change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd love to. Um, uh, perhaps if you want to share your screen and take us through your config or how you use Emacs, you can sure. demonstrate some of the, the things that you like the most about Evil Mode or, and other things you've configured. Mm -hmm. If you hover over a, uh, the left side of your Google Hangouts window, oh. you should see a what you called a green screen sharing icon that looks like a monitor with an arrow on it, and yeah. you can use that to share uh, your window, your thing. Okay, desktop. Well, I think this is the thing. Now I'm. I should let you know that I'm already upset with you. But <gasps> yeah. Why? So, uh, you you made me sign up for a Google Plus account. I've been avoiding <laughs> this for so long. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
No problem. You can unsign up for it right after, I guess. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I certainly will. I'm a, a grumpy old man. <laughs> but, uh, here we go. Uh, I have all kinds of stuff in here. Yes. Is correctly? You do. Uh, it's showing up. This is wonderful. And in fact, this is an excellent opportunity to point out that thing that I noticed right away when I was reading your configuration file <laughs> off GitHub. <laughs> You organize, you organize your, your file with all these functions, and then at the end, you call all the functions, which is an interesting pattern. You Ooh. said, you, had, you know, in the, in the pre-interview, you said uh, you had strong opinions about this, so please feel free to share your strong opinion. Very strong opinions about this. So, um, in my day job... Sorry, can you uh, increase the font size a little bit so people Ooh. can easily see that? Perfect. A little better? Perfect. Yeah. So, in my day job, I write Ruby all day. Uh, that's, you know, that's what I do. In the Ruby world, uh, it's sort of considered good practice not to really use comments. Instead, it's suggested that when you have something that warrants commenting, you probably have a method that's too long or a class that's too long, and you should probably break that up into smaller parts and give it some kind of useful name. Mm -hmm. So that way, like, so, so comments, people often say that comments are just lies waiting to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, someday you'll change your code, and you'll forget to change the comment, and now you have this comment which is long to you, and uh, people will try and read your comments to get some sense of your code, and it'll, it'll be a disaster. If you break things up into small uh, named methods, it gives you the value of comments, like treat camel case as separate words, that pretty well tells you what that function does. Um, but it also is, you know, evaluated. So if I change that, it'll throw an error at me. It'll fold me. Mm -hmm. So I like this because it combines the convenience, it combines the, the clarity of comments with the certainty that they'll never break. <laughs> so, uh, so this prevents you from being tempted to change the way, you know, to, to change the, the, impl you know, the, the implementation in such a way that it drifts from what's, it, what's described in the function name because you, you still have to do a, update the function call later on also. Exactly so. which is Which is especially, which I think is kind of odd in the next, there's a couple, there's a couple comments, but that's okay. Mm. Um, I, I think that's interesting. Uh, from the perspective of Emacs, just because in the Emacs community we have org mode. So there's a lot of interest in literate programming, and especially yeah. in literate configs. I see those all over all over the internet, and I think they're super cool to read through. But I keep thinking, what happens if they change them? That must be a mess. Um, I'm not sure. It, it, I, feel a little, I feel a little bit better about well, it's it's always a it's always good to have different patterns to choose from. So, literate programming might work really well for some people, and this kind of also literate programming in, in a sense, because you you've got the um, the uh, the descriptions in there, um, but it's it, it's it's coded in uh, might work really well for other people, and it seems to be working really well for you. Oh, certainly. I, I don't mean to say that that's not a bad that's not a good approach. Very cool. And you've got a whole bunch of things in here, right? You've got um, I do and S, uh, yeah, SMAX, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've got, uh, let's see, what is it? I've got um, I do mode running, yeah. um, which gives me all this vertical business. Oh, 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 my computer got sleepy. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> uh, every now and then that happens. Yeah. It's, uh, it's getting to be an old machine. But yeah, I have a I do mode, and I have a yeah. vertical version for that. Um, I like that just a little bit better. Uh, let's see. Obviously, I have the visual bell. Yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff that I do. So we can run through the list here. There's a there's a pie in your mode line. What's that about? Oh yeah, that. So there's a really cool thing you can do. Um, what is it called? It's I think I have that in this UI. Yeah, probably. 
figure where that is. So there's a certain thing that you can do to. Oop, nope, I'm wrong. Keep forgetting where I put this. <laughs> the downsides of having your config in lots of little files. I know, right? It's all coming back to bite me now. <laughs> now there's a so there's a particular uh, trick that you can do. It's called diminish mode, I think. Let's see. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I wonder if I put it under. CPG diminish. Ah, all the archives are in here. What a disaster. That's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to track it down. I was just so. So it's a symbol for a diminished mode, um, which yeah, at some point you will. Uh, you'll. Hide mode. That's where I have it. Oh, oh right. I read it. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> what a sensible name. Here we go. So here we are. Um, yeah. So I use uh, diminished minor mode, which is an awesome mode when you have a whole bunch of things here in your mode line that you don't really need in the mode line. You can use diminish mode to make them shorter. Mm -hmm. And in my case, oh sleepy. Uh, in my case, I also I use uh, Unicode characters in here. So like my Haskell mode is lambda equals. My list mode is lambda. Uh, I use a pi for par edit mode. Yeah. Yeah, and I use fancy lambdas in here too, which is kind of a fun trick. Um, yeah, I saw your config to to font lock that in. Yeah, it's kind of silly, but uh, it. It entertains me, and it looks good. Cool. Okay. Sorry, I got distracted by uh, interesting things in mode lines. <laughs> <laughs> sure, no problem. What are the highlights of your config? What are you really, you know, what are you really happy about having configured? Let's see. So I do love the mode line thing. Um, but what else is there? I just set this up, which is every time I create a file that is in a directory that doesn't exist, it prompts me to uh, create it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of just some... Oh, we lost audio. OK, we're back. OK. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of really cool stuff in my dot files. I use cask to manage dependencies, uh, which is just the best thing. It's cutting in and out audio-wise. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> OK, OK, OK. We're back, at least temporarily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so cask, okay. Cask, of course. Uh, snippets. Um, I don't think there's really that much in here that's crazy and different. Well, um, I, I think that because you spend all your day working with with Rails, you probably have a pretty nifty setup. That in, um, I'm not sure if you have you can like quickly spin up a spin up a, a project to show us how you interact with everything and how it all works. Uh, sure. So first of all, let me just show my config for this. Um, I use chruby to switch between um, R code tools is an awesome tool that I learned about from Octi Grimm and his many wonderful blog posts about it. Uh, R code tools supplies uh, XMP filter, mm -hmm. which is a tool that you can use in Ruby to, given special comments, uh, run the code in the buffer and then display the output. So, yeah, it's super nice. Um, actually, I think I have, I think I was just fooling around with something. So I was, uh, <laughs> I was implementing a tool uh, uh, to do static typing in Ruby, mm -hmm. like to verify your type signature. And this is just a tool that's, I'm, I'm just fooling around with. This will never be released or anything, but it's a silly fun thing to do. Um, so if I change something here, Let's suppose I add uh, 7 and 7 and run Control-C, Control-C. It gives me the output here. Yeah, it updated the comment to add that. Exactly, yeah. So all you need to do is append a comment, hit Control-C, Control-C, and it evaluates the output. Huh. That's pretty nifty. It's really yeah. I heard from Matthew that he uses it for, for things like writing uh, blog posts and uh, and uh, and books and things like that. Are you do you write a lot as well? Um, is, hmm. so, are you using it for for just personal evaluation? Oh, for for just evaluation of uh, code, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So for XMP filter, I pretty much only use it for code. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, I write it in Linux, of course, but I don't use, I don't think I use any special tooling. That's I use cool. sometimes and Markdown sometimes, but yeah. nothing, nothing especially interesting. So what's the name of this thing again that you're using to, uh, to update so this that? Is, this is uh, XMP filter. Mm. And if I remember correctly. Cool. All right. So XMP filter and gem install R code tools. I should check that out. It does look kind of handy. It is super handy. It's it's. it's I never use IRB anymore, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because I can just run things in here or or product for that matter. Mm -hmm. And uh, R code tool max mode that you can run it with require R code tools. Mm -hmm. This yeah. kind of um, interactivity or being able to, to try things out while you're coding is, is certainly becoming a lot more popular. You've mentioned you work with Clojure as well, right? I work with a little bit of Clojure. I am a Clojure noob, but that's something I've been playing with a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been I've been working on learning closure too, and and just the, the availability of all these REPLs or redevaluate print loops for you know to try things out right away, and or or even as you're coding to to just mm -hmm. execute it and have it in the buffer like the way that evaluate sex works, is just amazing. I know, isn't that terrific? Yeah. Um, I use Cider uh, mode for doing closure. Um, back when I used to write common Lisp in, in school. Um, I use Slime a lot for that. Yeah. Uh, slime is sort of the granddaddy of those modes, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's just terrific. It's a really cool tool. I could probably barely remember how to use it these days anymore, since I haven't in so long. But at the time, you know, man, Slime was awesome. Mm -hmm. So there's there's Ruby, there's a little bit of Clojure. You mentioned Haskell, or I think I saw, yeah, I saw that in your config and mm -hmm. Python. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit fast. But see, the, I have so many languages that I want to really get into, yeah. but I'm all sort of just dabbling around in, right? Yeah. So that's unfortunate. And sadly, Haskell falls into that category. Oh, that's cool. It's it's, it's fun to, to dabble and, and explore. Um, okay, so so going back to uh, so going back to to Rails. Uh, so you use uh, Arco tools, uh, Renari, I guess, for the navigation. Yeah, let's see. What else do I have here? I use uh, Renari, which is terrific. Uh, Renari is a minor mode for Rails applications that lets you skip around between controllers and views and models all very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of equivalent for, for Vim users. It's sort of equivalent to uh, Rails.vim, which is Tpokes, great plugin. Uh, it just lets you move around and create things very quickly. It's mm -hmm. really neat for that. Yeah. Okay. Do all of those work really well with evil mode, or do you have to remap things to get everything to make sense? Hmm. Almost everything works very well. Um, there are a couple. There were in the beginning a couple little things that made me crazy, but mostly it's not too bad. I think I have a whole bunch of uh, mappings. No, not too many. I map control P projectile find file, just because. Uh, Control-P is a popular uh, Vim plugin, and I found myself using Vim on a lot of other people's computers. Thought about pairs a lot, so. Okay. So, how does, so, so how does that work? When you're pairing with other people, so I guess because everyone else uses Vim, you're just like, okay, I'll get, a, I'll get along with using Vim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I'm, when I'm using other people's computers, I just sort of just kind of suck it up and use Vim. Um, mm -hmm. It's not that bad. I can use it. It's fine. It's fine. Do you ever get to uh, pair with Eric because he uses Emacs too? I do. Uh, yeah, we pair What's together fairly like? often. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so pairing in general is so like the structure pairing. We each have our own monitors. We each have our own keyboards, uh, but those monitors are plugged into one machine. So that's you know a nice way to do it. I think. Um, it's uh, it's pretty swell. We have just enough differences in how we configure things that sometimes we drive each other a little bit crazy. Are uh, you both in evil mode? Ah, so I only switched to evil mode a couple months ago, and I haven't paired with Eric since then. <laughs> so he's in for a surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for the last few months, uh, months I've been teaching at a Rails boot camp. Um, it's one of my company's clients, so 
It's been just all teaching all the time. I've actually written very little code recently. It's kind of a shame. Mm, that should be interesting. One of the things we often hear from people is that they're they're worried about customizing their configuration because when it comes to pairing with other people, you know, it's just a little bit of okay, wait, wait, no, no, it's actually this key or you know, different way of working. Uh, so it's, um, it can be a challenge, I hear. <laughs> uh, it can be sometimes, <laughs> uh, but it's also just terrific because yeah. Eric does things with his config that I don't do at all. Um, Eric uses ERC to. Uh, to get into IRC. He did a talk about that, actually. It's available on emacsnyc.org. Mm -hmm. um, so he uses ERC for IRC, and I don't. Um, so, but I'm sort of playing with it a little bit and starting to use it more uh, at his prompting, or I was when we still worked side by side fairly often. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great way to get close to uh, New different things, right? Yeah. If you're pairing with someone, man, man, you learn so much so fast about how they configure things. For sure. What are some of the other interesting uh, tips you've picked up from watching him work or working with him while pairing? Oh, let's see. We've had all kinds of fights about things. Um, <laughs> one, one thing that I use that he doesn't use is I need to get into a non-lisp mode for this. Uh, let me use my type checker here. I have um, meta up and down bound to drag a line around. Yeah. And he didn't. And he saw me do that. He was like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? Uh, and I said, oh, man, this is great. I just figured this out. Um, <laughs> so there are all kinds of silly little things that you get used to. And when yeah. you're in the world of your own configuration, you lose track of what you do that's cool, and you sometimes miss out on what other people do that's cool. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I really like people either presenting stuff or or uh, or even just recording screencasts of them doing something. And, and when they're doing something, sometimes it's this little thing that they take for granted that you're like, holy cow, what is that? Um, it's, it's just kind of watching over someone's shoulder as they're working. And, and seeing all these things that you didn't even know could be done or didn't even think of, of looking for. Oh, exactly, right? And uh, I love pairing for that. It's, you, you're so, you know, it, it's so rare that you get to fool around with someone else's configuration, right? Mm -hmm. Like, everyone posts their dot files now, it seems like. But when you're looking at some dot files, you're not really, it's like looking at sheet music, right? It doesn't really give you an idea of how it sounds in operation. Yeah. It's just not the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. pairing with people, ah, it's terrific. <laughs> so, uh, so the dragging of the lines um, is one thing that people have uh, have noticed about your configuration. Have, um, has Eric or other have have other people kind of flagged anything else as holy cow? How do you do that? Or uh, or uh, or other interesting snippets that are in your config? Oh, let's see. Probably so. I have a lot of odd key bindings. Yes. Yeah. I have in here. So many. No uh, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, multiple cursors uh, periodically. And that's mm -hmm. a lot. If you've seen that in operation, it's, uh, yeah. I'm sure you have. But, uh, let's see if I can remember how to do it. It is control shift C. Uh, if you do yeah. stuff with multiple cursors. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, expand region is kind of a neat one. Mm-hmm. I haven't used that recently. Uh, just because using evil mode doesn't make it too necessary. Uh, but it's still quite slick. Yeah. Yeah. That's expand region at work. Pretty cool plugin. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool package. Um, I do this, which I think is just a good thing. I found that every time I split a window, what I really mean to do is split a window and then switch to the other window. Yeah. So I just found that. That's just a, a trivial improvement. Here's the dragging of keys. I have a meta n to capture a to do. I use mm -hmm. for, for some to do management. So 
I don't do it as much now as I used to, but I used to use org mode for to-dos very extensively. Oh, so uh, so what are you moving to instead? Ah, well, funny thing. Um, <laughs> so I used org mode very extensively when I lived in Boston. I, I only moved to New York about seven months ago. Mm -hmm. um, in Boston, all the trains, well, most of the trains, uh, have cell reception. So if I'm typing on my smartphone, I can type a task and use an application called Drafts in iOS to append that to a file in Dropbox, which mm -hmm. is where I think Dropbox. Um, so that was terribly convenient for, if you're into GTD, ubiquitous capture. Um, so if I wanted to take note of something that was happening to me on the train, uh, oh boy, it was so easy to do it. I always had some reception. I could just type out a little message, send it off, and that would be appended to a file. Uh, in New York, the cell reception on trains is not quite as good. And that's kind of been the tiny little thing that it took me to uh, move away from work mode. Such a small thing. Um, so what I'm using now is uh, a pencil uh, and paper. <laughs> that works. I have a terribly cheap little notebook that has a lot of to-dos. It's approximately the bullet journal style, but it's not really. It's totally just my own little weird thing. But that's been working almost as well. I wasn't using org mode. Uh, I wasn't using many very advanced features of org mode. So that's why it's so easy to make the switch, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I still often write little things on paper, but then I use org to do the uh, kind of long-range planning, so the, the things I'm going to forget. <laughs> I have like um sort of like a, a weekly review period yeah. where I go through and move uh, move things around on lists and so I, I haven't lost track of most things. Every now and then. But that's that's my own fault. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like you're doing a quite quite a fair fair number of other things in, inside Emacs as well. So you do your mail inside Emacs? Does does that still happen? Uh, sometimes. You don't have to demonstrate it, because mail can be a funny thing, but uh, it's interesting to see U4E in there. Yeah, I've been playing with U4E. Um, as part of my ongoing getting off of Google project, uh, <laughs> I've been using MU4E for, for my email. I use Fastmail, uh, and that syncs very nicely, because they use real IMAP and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, MU4E isn't too bad. I haven't used it terribly extensively. But so far, so good. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned ERC. Are there other, you know, other other uh, unexpected non-programming things that you tend to do with Emacs that other people might be surprised by? You say, oh, I didn't know a text editor could do that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's see. I use uh, Magit for uh, Git. Yeah. Which is just amazing. Obviously, I use a terminal inside Emacs, which is also terrific. Mm -hmm. I don't think I do that many things that are that amazing anymore. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a problem that you uh, you described earlier, right? With uh, oh, I've been using Emacs for twenty six years, but I don't really know what I can talk about. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just an intermediate user. So, uh, uh, well, actually, so I have one thing that I've been playing with, which is uh, I built a search mode. Yeah. So who bars? If I hit search. Uh, it searches. Huh. So, okay, yeah. so that's browse URL. Hmm. That's what? Sorry. Uh, your search. It's a. It, so you basically just type in a keyword, and it uses browse URL to. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's all there is to it. Um, I did do. I wrote a little mode called engine mode, yeah. which has a little macro for uh, creating these guys. Let's see. I might even have that. Um, yeah. There we go. Ah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, engine mode is a little mode I made. And it lets you define um, engines, search engines, by yeah. name. And uh, then a search string associated with them. So if you're interested in you know, searching a whole bunch of things very quickly from your editor, uh, you can do that that way. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, if you have some text selected and you want to search for it, then you can do that. So that's kind of cool. Uh, or it'll just prompt you as you saw below. So that's kind of a convenient thing. 
Yes, it's a it's a idea of a command line for the web, right? I see you've got all these different keywords set up so that you can easily search a specific engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit convenient. <laughs> uh, that's called engine mode. It's it's on Nova actually. I pushed yeah. it up in the logo. If you want to fool around with that, feel free. Cool. Uh, I think yeah. I will. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, getting things on the Nova and writing packages, that is not nearly as hard as I thought it would be. <laughs> a lot of people think it's like, oh, you know, there's a lot of things to do and code to update and whatever, and it's really you fork it, you copy someone else's configuration, <laughs> tweak exactly. it slightly. Right. Uh, and then uh, a polite person says, oh, hey, you have a little error in your macro here. Here's how you do it. I know. And then he's like, oh, and then... Yeah, and, and, and then this is how you make it even more uh, Emacs Lisp stylish. Yeah, right? It's, it's educational. It's not super hard. And uh, everyone can use your stuff. <laughs> what a great thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Okay. So so that's probably a good uh, good good talk for um for one of your Emacs NYC sessions. You know, look how easy it is to look. Uh, I will submit the package to Melpa in real time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, will come along and approve it. It'll be great. <laughs> there are so many packages in Melpa. It's and, and and the other repositories are just you know it's Christmas every day and looking at all the all the stuff that's posted. Like, have you come across interesting packages that are like, okay, I, I want to try this out. I want to I want to see what it's like. Oh well, like every time I every time I, I go into the uh, into package list packages, I find something that's like, what is this? How did I not know about this? Um, one thing that I learned, actually, so I read, uh, I believe it's Emacs Redux, is the yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I see the most amazing things on there. Uh, just yesterday or this morning, um, I saw a Git time machine. Did you happen to see that post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read uh, Planet Emacsn as well. I think he's syndicated, oh. but I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Emacs Redux is cool. Sure. But yeah, so Git time machine. If you're in a file in a git managed uh, repository, um, you hit meta x git time machine, and then n and p will take you to the next and previous versions of that file. <laughs> Amazing! It's so cool. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so every day there's something new and interesting. Yeah, and I think that that feeling of oh, amazing, this is so cool, you know, that's, that's the sort of thing that that really gets people a lot deeper into Emacs and, and keeps people exploring it and learning more about it and, and sharing. And and I think that's that's the feeling that I get from watching the Emacs NYC videos. And again, I'm glad that you're sharing that. Um, and I can't wait to see what you and the other people will, will post in the future. Okay. We've got a, a couple of really good ones coming up, I think. So. I'm looking forward to that. So, like, and, and a lot of those slides kind of to... Uh, to Start easing, easing it to, to wrapping up. Um, what other things would you like to, to do with Emacs? What's on what's on your horizon of Emacs awesomeness? Oh man, sheesh. So I'll tell you what I saw recently. Um, I saw a wonderful talk on uh, Lisp machines and genera. Do you know about Lisp machines? I, I know about list machines in the kind of abstract. I've never played around with one, but Emacs is pretty darn close to an interesting tiny microcosm of one. Um, but Genera I haven't looked into. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Man, oh man. So, like, uh, 25 years ago, there were these machines that were like Emacs, the OS, right? But uh, you can change anything all the way down. You can change running stuff in the kernel through your editor, essentially. Wow. Exaggerating slightly, but wow, it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, they have this amazing online help system. Uh, yeah, I want some stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So I want to I learn some more about that whole culture. There was a whole like, list machine culture once upon a time that's sort of gone, and I'd uh, I'd love to know more about it. See how much of that we can 
make use of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you had something as as uh, as powerful and as flexible as as Emacs, and be able to uh, to keep tweaking it and customizing it, but have that power extend all the way down, um, that would be uh, quite cool. Sure. I mean, obviously, we can't really do that these days anymore. But still, I mean, there's a lot of inspiration to be in there. Yeah. Okay, so list machines um, would be in your like. It would be really cool if Emacs could do even more of this. Uh, well, anything else that's on your is is um is anything else in your configuration wish list? Configuration wish list. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Actually. That's cool. Oh, so actually, the next thing I'd like to do, um, the next little project I have in mind, is integrating um my blog with Emacs a little bit better. I've suddenly found myself writing blog posts again lately. Yeah. It's a bit of a hassle to do it through the command line. I use a tool called Pool, P-O-O-L-E, which manages uh, Jekyll posts. Oh, yeah? I, my blog. And um, I'd love to have something right there in Emacs where I can hit a certain key combination. It'll pop up a new draft. Um, so that's something I'd like to do. I don't think it'll take more than about an hour or so, but I keep putting it off. I really should do it. There seems to be a popular workflow around org and Jekyll, so that might be something to look into. I keep thinking I should uh, convert my whole blog over to org, but the downside is that I've got a few hundred posts now, and oof, it sounds exhausting. Uh, I, I don't remember if Pandoc has org as an output form yet, but... Uh, yeah, I know. I was thinking about Pandoc. Um, there, there are still some little things I would need to change. Yeah. might do yeah. the trick. Um, but I'm certainly in favor of you doing more writing, so any tools to support that, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd really like to. Yeah. And so if people are, are um, interested in finding you, is uh, Harry, oh, sorry, R. Schwartz is your... Yeah, uh, com is me. And um, also, of course, emacsnyc.org is the website. Okay. And let me spell that for people who are listening to the audio and going, what? How do you? H-A-R-R-Y-R-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. That's right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, and it's got links to your GitHub and, uh, and where people can find your config, um, email, LinkedIn, uh, your, oh, your reading, too. Yeah, yeah, all that lovely yeah. stuff. Send me emails and let's... Let's go nuts. It'll be great. <laughs> and if you're lucky enough to be in New York, attend the meetup so you can meet Harry in person and wow. uh, and He's listen good. and give all these uh, interesting talks. <laughs> Definitely. You can always use more attendees. That would be terrific. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your config and your story. Uh, it's again also thank you for for organizing that. Um, uh, well, to you and Eric, and Eric for for organizing UMAX NYC and sharing the videos, which is a, Phenomenal and, and very, very uh, inspiring. Um, and yeah, and thanks for being in the chat as well. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. This is terrific. Okay. <laughs>